Welcome to the Performance Podcast. This is your fearless host and leader, Sean Kirby with the Performance Group. I want to take a second to say thank you for tuning in. Our intention behind this podcast is to give you the opportunity to learn more about us individually and as a company. And with that being said... Hey, you cool cats and kittens, and welcome to another episode of the Performance Podcast. In today's episode, I was able to catch up with Heather Upton of the Real Estate Pros. We kind of caught up on how the real estate market is being affected by the coronavirus and what her team is doing to combat it. We also spoke a little bit earlier in January, and similar to Jay's podcast that um, was recorded previously, I kind of screwed up the audio. So please go ahead and listen all the way to the end, because there's a lot of really cool tidbits about Heather that I'm sure you didn't know. And here we go. All right, today we are here with Heather Upton of the Real Estate Pros. Um, Heather and I spoke in January, uh, similar to the last podcast with Jay Hubble. Um, I completely screwed up the audio, so we are re-recording just this beginning half, and then we'll have the same audio at the end. It's a little choppy, so we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Either way, Heather, Hi. since um, I talked to you in January, has anything changed? Oh my gosh, my whole entire world has changed, as I'm sure everyone's has at this point. Um, the whole world has changed. <laughs> so we were preparing for the spring market, and now yeah. you're stuck inside for 30 days. Um, yeah. How has COVID-19 impacted you and your team? Uh, let's see, we're April 18th right now. Um, we are just now to the point where we're starting to feel a slowdown. Okay. Now, the previous 30 days or, you know, 45 days, I was talking to someone yesterday and, you know, was saying the people that are finishing out their transactions um, who still have a job and, um, you know, were in the market with their toes already, you know, fulfilled and, you know, bought or sold properties and we're closing, you know, several daily right now. And, and that's a little different, too. Um, but overall, you know, I felt like we got a piece of that spring market. I feel like maybe right now everyone is kind of just on pause, you know, yeah, yeah. seeing how things are going to shake out. Um, I don't have a doubt that when the economy is up and or even slowly starts getting back to some kind of normal that we're going to um, still get to experience a spring and summer market. Um, buyer demand is still there. Interest rates are crazy low. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping for our buyers out there that we will see a decent amount of, you know, homes come on the market. Those that set it set and, you know, waited it out a little bit because it's been really hard for buyers. <laughs> yeah. Well, so is your team all working remotely then? We are. Every morning we get up and we do our uh, Zoom call. Two days a week we do a training topic. Um, we are connecting with our clients on a higher level than we ever have. And there are some, you know, we're encouraged, we're encouraging the agents and the clients not to get out and go see houses. But at the end of the day, if it's going to affect your, your life or your financial situation, or you're going to be homeless or what have you, like, we have to do what we have to do for these clients. So, you know, we're reaching out to the other agent asking first, do you have a video? Because you might not even like the house once you see the video. If they have a video, we want them to watch a virtual video. We want them to drive by the property. You know, if they're still feeling it, then we'll work through the agent to make sure we do a really safe closing with, you know, mask, booties, gloves, don't touch anything, you know, make sure everyone's out of the house, keep your social distance and, 
Um, and there are still sellers, you know, they have to sell their house too. And, you know, they're going to try and do whatever they can in the safest fashion. So it's just been a little, just a little different. Um, we have conducted a few virtual listing appointments, which um, that's been interesting because first and foremost, when you go to a seller's house, you know, they want your expertise, you know, tell me what my home is worth. And we're going to base that on the condition of the home. And it's not really accurate or it's more difficult to tell from a video, but we are still trying to do our best to, you know, help them out, give them a, you know, a number, give them a to-do list and what they can do to get the home ready um, when it is the right time. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody is kind of in the same boat. So it's not like um, that everybody's willing to work with you on everything right now. They're super understanding. Yes, absolutely. Um, so how hard is it or is it even hard at all to uh, communicate with your team this way and still keep that? I know you guys just have this new space. You guys are finally all together and that's not it's gone, right? So everybody has to keep their social distance at least until further notice. How has that impacted you guys? Actually, I think by doing our daily Zoom call check-ins that we're actually probably more connected than we've ever been. Um, and we've stepped up our accountability too. So I've, you know, we have some daily goals for each each person and each morning we are then, you know, announcing did we hit our goal or, you know, share a win with me or, you know, did you have a challenge? So we've been more um, connected, I think, since this whole COVID thing. And I actually, you know, yes, I love seeing my people and, you know, being face to face, but we haven't let this, you know, impact our growth, our connection, our training. We're embracing it. Good. And I'm sure a lot of good new practices are coming out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, 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 yeah, we're doing some things we've never done before, but you know, we're working in conditions we've never been in before. So. Or hope to ever be in again. That's right. Um, so you kind of answered my second question, which was how, how do you see, um, the, the market impacted for the real estate? Um, do you think that this has changed because it was a seller's market before, right? Absolutely. Would you say that the tables have kind of turned in that sense to where it's going to be more of a buyer's market coming out of this? I think what we will see, we will see more listings go on the market than we have in the past. It's kind of, you know, the spring market, there is a little, you know, boost of, of new listings. But again, because everyone has been on, you know, this pause, I think you're going to see more rush to the market, which is going to give buyers more choices, which means how you know it's going to be more competitive for sellers. Will it drive down the price immediately? No, um, that takes a little while to really, really impact, you know, the pricing. But you know, if you've got a neighborhood and you know maybe there's only been one sale in that neighborhood in the last 12 months, and all of a sudden there are four on the market, you know, they're essentially competing against each other. And the goal is to be the number one choice in that area and that price point. So, um, you know, that's what we're going to just have to be a little more kind of shift our, you know, coaching to our clients a little bit differently. Um, because before, I mean, just, you know, last week, we every home that we put on the market sold within 24 hours of multiple offers. Wow. So that, wow. yeah. So I, above asking price, some have been significantly above asking price. So. 
I think it'll balance out a little more, but I don't think it'll totally turn to a buyer's market yet. Okay, good. So um, obviously, you know, home sales and real estate have always in the last couple of years been trending upwards. Um, stock market took 10,000 point hit. Um, it's a fear-based market. It, obviously, those two tend mm-hmm. to usually align well, but say that this is a very extraordinary circumstance. Um, how would you compare this to what happened in 2008? Is there even a comparison? I don't think there's even a a comparison. Yes, things are a little bit wonky right now. Um, but in 2008, you know, that was, that was mortgage fraud, essentially. I mean, everyone could get a mortgage. They were, you know, doing 120% loan to value, um, offering, you know, new construction out in Summer Lake was, you know, offering all these incentives and tax abatements and and all these things to, you know, get all these buyers approved. And, you know, we found out they they couldn't afford it. And that whole bubble busted. And, you know, then you had short sales and foreclosures. And I just I don't again, I just feel like we're kind of on a pause. You know, yes, there are people in some you know, bad financial situations right now that may not have a job when this is over. You know, those people are going to have to, you know, figure something out for employment and and things like that. But I don't, if life happens, I always say real estate happens. There are things we do not control that will drive buying and selling decisions. And, you know, that's, I feel like I'm in the one industry that's never, ever, ever, ever going to go away. And you know what I'm saying? There's, there's death, divorce, there's, job transfers, there's, I mean, a slew of things that force someone to to have to buy or sell a house, not just, oh, hey, that house is pretty and I think yeah. I'm ready to buy something bigger. You know, those yeah. people are, are, are hunkered down at home right now. <laughs> exactly. It's the so development that gets I don't think out. it's comparable. I think, you know, we're just on a little bit of a pause. We may, you know, see, like I said, it may balance out, prices may balance out, but I don't I don't think we're going to, we're definitely not going to look like we did in 08. Good. Well, then that's good. So um, that being said, we are hopefully, you know, Indiana said that May 1, they're going to start slowly through phases, start letting Thank people kind of go back to normal. Um, I think a lot of people use this time, this month or whatever you want to call it, it'd be two months by then to kind of look at their business and say, you know, here are our fault lines. Um, as an insurance agent, you get a lot of calls about business interruption insurance and all the other things. This is something that no one truly plans for. You plan for fire. You plan for the tornado we got hit in last May. Um, are you looking at other your future other worst case scenarios and planning for that now, or are you just trying to get through this? <laughs> Probably, I guess what I, two two things. You know, it's definitely been eye opening to go, wow, something like this can just happen so fast and turn your world around in your business so incredibly fast, and you know, just not the unexpected. Now. Will I plan differently or strategize for the future? Absolutely. Um, but right now, I think we're more just in survival, you know, 
and I say that lightly because we're 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 doing fine. Our team is killing it with our numbers right now. Um, you know, but you just never know what the next day is going to be like. Yeah. And I think we need to position ourselves to um, just be ready for things like this that could come up. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen that you're super active on social right now, as we um, all are. I mean, what else do we have to do to be social? It's not like we're going to the bars. So um, I've seen that you're super active on social. I saw that you are doing a pet food relief and animal fundraiser. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Absolutely. So if if you talk, we just talked about 0809 um, during I was in real estate at that time and I was also a volunteer at the Anderson Animal Shelter. I was heavy into dog rescue, fostering, um, transportation, things like that. So during those two years, um, I spent a lot, a lot, a lot of time there. And, you know, when people are in tough financial situations, they're going to worry about feeding themselves and their their kids first. You know, unfortunately, the animals take the back seat and they would leave them, you know, they'd move and just leave them tied up outside. They would leave them in a crate in the backyard. They would dump them over the fence in the middle of the night at the shelter um, or they would walk in with. I still remember the day this this lady, I don't know, maybe in her 50s, um, come carrying in two Boston Terriers that were seniors that she had had for, you know, 14, 15 years. And basically was just like, I can't, I can't afford to keep my dogs. And I was so pissed. I'm like, how do you do this? You could, they were just shaking. They were so scared, just the smells and hearing all the other animals. And I mean, it was so, so hard and so emotional. And, and, you know, you'd see these dogs come in and they were just some of them tails a wagon thinking, Hey, we're, you know, we're at a new place. And then there they go. Their family would walk out the door and, and, you know, I can't say that I can fund and take care of every single person, a pet that is in a situation like this. But if I can help a family, you know, ride the storm and, you know, give them some dry dog food, it, it's affordable. And I've had so many people donate to the cause then I'm going to do that because that's what I am passionate about is animal rescue. And if I can keep them out of those situations and keep them in their homes, that's what I want to do. Good. How do how do people donate if they want to? Um, there's actually a, a tab on my real estate page, therealestatepros.com. Um, there's a Facebook page I created that is COVID-19 Pet Food Relief. So either of those situations or if anyone knows anyone that needs assistance, there's a sign up form on you know both of those sites as well. Perfect. Well, that's really good that you're giving back to the community. I think that a lot of people are just scraping by trying to figure out what life means. Um, so yeah, people are super appreciative. I'm super appreciative. And, um, I really appreciate you doing this quick interview. Um, for everybody that's still listening this far in, we're going to break. There's going to be a little bit me talking and then it's going to be some uh the rest of our interview it's from gonna be the january, january. interview exactly. <laughs> which i don't even remember what we talked about so i don't know but i'm sure we were both in brighter spirits than we are today but either way guys hey. we appreciate you listening and now a quick word from our sponsor just kidding this is a private podcast there's no sponsors part two good morning good morning 
Um, today we are here with Heather Upton, the Heather Upton, her own favorite celebrity um, <laughs> of the real estate pros um, here in town, Pendleton. And um, thank you for coming. I know that this is not exactly something most people wake up thinking they're going to do on a Thursday. No, I'm super excited to be here. Good. Great. Awesome. Um, so yesterday you and I went to, what, what is it called? Um, it's PBA. PBA slash South Madison, Madison Community thing. Network. Yeah. Um, it was Soiree. nice. It was like little, yeah. Networking at the front end. And then we had a um, guest speaker, Derek, um, not Derek, Derek Grant. Yes. Derek Grant, ex-Harlem Globetrotter, um, speaking about kind of goals, plans in 2020. Um, I actually, as we just got into the year of 2020, want to take things back and talk about how, well, if I pulled up your LinkedIn right now. Oh, Lord. Yeah, if I pulled up your LinkedIn right now and I were to go a blast to the past and we go pre the real estate pros, right? How far are we going back? Well, that's what I'm looking at. Education, Franklin University, marketing, marketing management, started at Ball State back in the Dizay. Um, Looks like you've been in real estate the whole time, or where did you start? 17 years. 17 17 years I've been in real estate. Actually, um, back before the economy and the housing market took a pooey, I worked for Prudential Financial, really? and I was the assistant to the head cheese, so I got my feet wet in the financial services industry, and then Prudential did not do so well and started closing offices, and I was at a point in the, the uh, job market where things were not good, mm-hmm. and a friend had said, you know, hey, go go work for a temp agency, figure out what, you know, you've got this administrative background. I could do anything. So somehow I landed in real estate, um, working for a top agent out of the Anderson market, just as her assistant. Learned to love it and pretty much have stayed in it um, since 2003. The real estate pros technically was not formed until 2013. Um, so the years leading up to that, I have worked for other agents, other teams, marketing, admin, processing, agent training, every position imaginable in real estate. Yeah, which kind of calls for being running your own because you still had to do everything. I did once. everything on the backside except be the face of the agency. And it was always scary for me to think about being an independent, you know, commission only position. The more I knew and learned and grew, it was just natural progression that I'd be, I'd be an agent and excel and in it, the success came easy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, people that are thrown into that producer, that sales piece from the front end without the back end knowledge, I mm-hmm. think struggle immensely because you say, well, I want to go sell real estate. Or but I don't know so about much I don't know more about to it. Exactly. Exactly. The, the amount of hands that touch a real estate right. transaction, um, it's a lot messier for as clean as it can be. 
Absolutely. And I think people, you know, they sign up and say, oh, I want to be a real estate agent. It's so glamorous. You know, HGTV makes it, you go see three houses and then you have to pick one. Mm. Well, it's not, it's not quite that um, easy. And like you said, from the time you meet a client till the time you actually get to the closing table, I mean, the, I think one day I sat down and wrote down every single thing that has to happen. It was like over 250 things have to happen and they have to line up and they have to be perfect and yeah. no transaction is perfect. Well, and, and people wonder why so many houses fall through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we only play a very, very small role in the whole thing coming together from the mortgage company to the appraisers, to the inspectors, to the surveyors, to, you know, the town, to neighborhood covenants and restrictions. Yeah. You know, there are just so many, so many things that depend on a closing to happen. And then you look at a lot of people's first responses. Realtors are overpaid for, for what they're providing. Exactly. There's so much more. It's crazy. Time. It's crazy. And that's, I think, one of the things I learned very, very early on was show your value. You know, don't just get a contract signed and don't communicate with the client. Now, we know what we do behind the scenes, you know, but until I spell it out and show the client, this is everything we're doing to make this work for you, they don't know. They think we write a contract and we show up to closing table and get $10,000 or what have you. Yeah, but that's in like all all matters of business. Most people don't care and they really don't care what you do. They just want it done. Yeah. But you still have to orchestrate in... And a lot of coordination going on behind the scenes. Yes. Yeah. No. It's um. It's it's amazing uh, to see people that are just now transferring to commission only business. Mm-hmm. You gotta wake up and know what to do. Yeah, and you have to have the motivation and the grit. Yeah. To want to do it because it's not easy. Yeah, I was talking <laughs> to Jeff, your husband, the other day, and he was. Tell me about his new morning routine. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about your morning routine compared to his. <laughs> Actually, it's very it's very similar. So the alarm goes off about ten till five. I usually lay there for you know my ten minutes to go. Oh crap! I got to get out of bed. Um, hop up, get ready for the gym. I'm out the door. I nudge him. He goes to train here. At uh, my time, I go to Indianapolis or Noblesville and train with personal trainer because I need the accountability. Yeah. I need someone waiting for me to be there to get my butt up and get to Noblesville. So um, then I get home, usually grab something to eat, get in the shower, and then it's 100 miles an hour. Yeah, just running. Yeah. How far out is your schedule plan? Uh, it, I mean, I have plenty of standing appointments that will not go away that are there for the whole entire year, but there has to be a lot of flexibility. So um, evenings tend to you know, book up earlier than my afternoons and mornings with clients but i mean i'm a good month out probably good yeah it makes you it makes things a lot easier i think the thing about being a business owner or being just anybody at any point is you think of especially a business owner being a very freedom driven all this flexibility you have to have a routine and if you don't stick to it i mean you're not making any money no and some people get stuck in that they go well i did this to have the freedom but why aren't the checks? But you will, you know, I, I, as we are growing and bringing in new talent and, and more agents, you know, it's my job to talk them out of the business. So if, if they can defend every reason why I tell them not to be a real estate agent, then, you know, you have a shot at it. Yeah. But it's not easy. I mean, it's the possibilities 
and the income is endless. Yeah. But how bad do you want it? You know, and are you going to be there at eight o'clock in the morning before, you know, the rest of the agents get there? Are you going to be hungry enough to, you know, go out, pick up the phone and start making cold calls or go door to door or go meet new people and throw yourself out there? Cause you have to. Yeah. The hardest part is, um, being comfortable. I mean, that's a very, um, getting out of your comfort zone, I would say more than anything. I think in Keller Williams, they say getting comfortable, being uncomfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't teach it. No. You throw somebody in the fire. <laughs> sink or swim. Sink or swim. That's yeah. the way it works. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to get burned and you're gonna, all these bad things are going to happen. But same as the discussion that we had yesterday or the, the, the speaker said, is you grow from those losses. Those losses are really learning moments. Yeah, failing forward is what we call it. And the faster you can fail, the quicker you can get up and move on. Mm-hmm. And the steps are small. Baby steps. Baby steps. Yeah. I feel like people have been saying that your whole life and people still don't follow that. <laughs> that no, they see that big shiny object in the sky and it's how, you know, how quick can I get there? But they don't necessarily have a roadmap to get there. Yeah, absolutely. So yesterday, speaking of roadmaps, um, you know, I was listening to a podcast, an industry-based podcast that was talking about, you know, those baby steps and how to quantify and how... You know, not always looking at end sales at the end of your month is showing the true progress of how things are moving, especially in hot markets, cold markets. It depends, right? Especially with real estate, you have the winter and then you have the summer. Absolutely. The spring, so yours really fluctuates. Um, but tracking weekly goals, and they're not even premium goals or they're not um, you know number goals or houses sold goals. They are focused on the steps that it takes in order to sell homes. They are the calls you make, the relationships. Yes, all the activities. So do you use technology to do that, or do you have like a just big whiteboard? Everybody goes and writes. We actually, yeah, everyone learns and processes information different. Um, The technology is there for the ease of the business. We're not always... You know, if we were at the office for eight hours every day, we wouldn't be selling houses. So, you know, the technology is important, um, although we do have a big whiteboard as well, several of them. Um, so at any given moment, you can walk by and see, you know, who's the sales leader, who has the most appointments, who has the most buyers, who has the most contracts. But every single day we have an, a, a link through technology that we click on and we report our daily activities. So then at the end of the week, we can run a report and know, you know, how many open houses were had, how many phone calls were made, how many what we call nurtures, how many people have given us permission to follow up with them for business in the future because, you know, technology drives the business. However, those who come into our world through the technology aren't always the ones that are ready, willing, and able right at this moment. Yeah. You know, they don't send me an email or click on my website and say, you know, hey, I have cash in my hand right now. I need to make an offer today and I need to close in 30 days. You know, chances of finding that client is, it does happen. It's just few and far between. Yeah. And so it takes work. It takes follow-up. It takes processes. It takes systems. It takes accountability. And if you don't have those, you're probably not going to make it. Exactly. And I would say, like, as our business looks towards 2020, um, my dad has always told me that process and procedures is what's, creates a scalable business model. Yeah. Um, and as three people who are all related to each other running three separate businesses, and if you want to be honest, 16 different businesses, <laughs> and I run one, my dad runs one, and somebody else runs the rest, we can all say her name is Lisa. So <laughs> women run the world. The boss. But 
staying accountable, we're looking to um, fill a position to keep us accountable. My, my, we took some personality tests in mm-hmm. the office. The Those are day. fun. And believe it or not, I sure do have a lot in common with that Mike Kirby guy. Um, <laughs> so the way that was set up was it was relationship results, rules, routine. So the R's. R's. Okay. Rah, 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 rah. So I was 100% relationship, 6% rules. So then I was 80% results, and then my routine was like 30%. So pretty much, I like to talk to people. I like people around me. Um, I'm very bad at the rules side of things. Following directions. Directions are tough. I don't like routine either. (laughs) Well, you're a typical salesperson. I like Because if you're good at sales and relationships are high, you know, on your chart, then the routine part is not as important to you and yeah. you're, it doesn't make you happy. No. So yes. it, that's natural. And I got it honest because he ended up with almost the exact same. So he was 100% relationship, which believe it or not, my current is 100% relationship based. And then like 64, like his rules were even lower than mine. He hates paperwork. And then you've got... So that's why you have the leverage and you bring someone in that is strong in the rules and... So we had somebody take the test, um, the person that we made an offer to, and they scored almost all blue-green, which was the result, or not the results, but the rules and routine. So they probably are not an outgoing relationship type person. They don't need that. In their current um, position, they are client-facing. They mm -hmm. have to be. I think that they'll still be great on the phones. But it will actually play into their strengths. I think they'd actually be a really good in- interior salesperson at gotcha. some point, which plays into the long term vision. Because at the end of the day, I think, especially with the advancement of technology, what they've done is they've created a way with relationships to build them through technology and maintain them through technology and maintain face through technology to where guys and gals aren't going door to door knocking asking for business and only getting 5%. Right. I just got to go knock on 100 doors today. I'll get 5%. Right. It turns into, I am now creating a relationship with them, them, and them who are now sharing this information who now are creating interior inbound leads that I still worked with my interior clients to create. So now, rather than paying somebody way too much commission to go out and drum up business, you're now paying somebody to service, do all these things interior also licensed or whatever that is in order to sell that can make those transactions that somebody calls you that person has a desire to buy so you're closing that business 50 plus percent of the time versus the person that's going out drumming up five percent right it's just how do you create enough inbound leads or inbound people that want to do business with you that's the brand that type of thing the thing to where you you're not just one person going out there saying, my name's this, I can do this. It's our name's this, we can do this. That backing is what I think makes people comfortable. At least I hope. I mean, that's what we kind of No, just... I think you guys are... It... So in our industry, real estate, mm-hmm. um, over the last, I'm going to say maybe five to seven years, <clears throat> definitely technology, 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 technology. You want to be the first one they click on the top of the Google search and... You want to, you know, a uh, lead capture um, net, blah, 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 blah. We are shifting away. We still need it. We still have to have it. But 
taking our database, our past clients, our current clients, our what we call sphere of influence, Mm -hmm. and investing in those relationships. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to get business from your current database than it is to find new business. So kind of this year, what we've, instead of spending a lot of money on cold business, we are spending more money on our database to stay in front of them and show them that, you know, appreciation and it's an ongoing relationship forever, hopefully. And it's not just a, hey, thanks for the paycheck. And I mean, I go on so many appointments and, you know, they may have just bought or sold their house three years ago. And I ask, who is, who is your agent? They don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even know the company name. Yeah. So shame on that agent for not... Maintaining that relationship. Yeah. And I think that is so important in today. I, I would say, especially with transactional business, right? Um, our business, if you look at tax and insurance way those are set up is those are continual relationship business um tax is a transaction right, right. you tend to do the same tax guy yeah business. you need it every year no we don't put, yeah yeah we, don't we pull use anything over your y'all for bookkeeping and payroll and it's a a weekly exactly relationship well, the accounting side has really mm-hmm. changed the relationship we've had with businesses um and people in general is it, it's Always. So you have to maintain that relationship. Most accounting firms are not personal accounting firms. They're not creating that relationship. They are blue-green people. Absolutely. They do not have a red and a yellow sitting out front that won't let you leave without talking to them. Right. So I I think we have such a cool mix for people that are also in the same industry. And dad's whatever he is, you know, I mean, he's such a good consultant and a, just a good ear for small business owners. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, a guy that's been through it and has a lot of wealth and knowledge that he wants other to people share. To. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't charge I think that's for awesome. it. And it's nice. And I know he's always had, you know, like an open invitation. Yeah. Whatever you need, you know, if you have questions on this or I've been there, done that, call me. And I'm yeah. like, that is so cool that, you know, he keeps that open and is – willing to yeah. help someone. The only person he charges is me. Is you? Yeah, yeah. I have to go to his house and help him clean up sticks like three times a year, which really isn't that bad. Well, that's good for you. I, eventually, I'll get some babysitting dollars out of that, so I think it'll be a fair deal. But yeah, no, it's, um, I think the, the focus in on the relationship and off of the transactional relationship in, in 2020 and as everybody moves forward is so important. And as much as people talk about the privacy issues with Google and Facebook and all right. those types of things. For a business owner, that information can help you strengthen your relationships with people to an extent that's borderline too personal. You might as well be true. getting in bed with them at <laughs> That but is true. It, it, you are half the time, especially if you're on Facebook. Who, who doesn't sit in bed before oh, yeah. they fall asleep and yeah. scroll Facebook before they go to bed? Yeah. And they see their tax person, they see their real estate person, they see all this stuff, and they're following you. Um, the only thing that they don't have is your voice. But hopefully, now that we have you know this outlet, this becomes a way for our community to be able to reach out to not only other business owners, but the, the, the individuals in the community as well. I love it. I hope so. Yeah. I hope other people like it. So... Let's actually get to the questions I wrote down because we spent the first 20 minutes not even... Just lollygagging. Yeah. Okay. And let's get official. Like 25 minutes before just it's talking okay. before we even turn on the It's all good. All right. So 
I wrote this down last night in bed. Oh, so boy. I wanted to make sure we got into really good conversation. I even like wrote it as a script. <laughs> Um, I did do a lot of research on interviewing business owners. Okay. What I found on the internet is because they're not videos, um, I was looking at questions. They're very black and white. Obviously, you and I both know that most of these questions are gray. Um, so number one, what would you say the biggest differences are from when you started your real estate practice originally in 2013 versus 2020? Today, where we are today? Yes. So, gosh, I look back at 2013 and it was basically, I want to say a train wreck, roller coaster ride. Um, I, being a business owner was not really my true intention. It just naturally happened and I just embraced it. Yeah. So one of the big agents that I told you yesterday, brace the suck. You have to embrace the suck. And there was a lot of suck in 2013. And it was just because... Um, being the face of the business and then also have employees and trying to find agents and lead agents was tough and keep the business going. I mean, I was very, very busy. So I felt like I was constantly, there was no structure. If someone called, text, or emailed me at any given time of the day, I was on it. And I remember at one point, um, Jeff, my husband saying, because I would work, it was just me. And I would work, you know, 12, 14 hours a day and, and come home and, you know, it'd be 10 o'clock at night and I would just be finishing like showing houses or writing offers or inspection responses or whatever it looked like. And at one point he said, I'm going to pack your bags and put them on the porch if you come home tomorrow at 10 o'clock at night or something. And I'm like, you just, and at that point, until you're in the business, you don't get it really. You know, he just would see me like a tornado. And yeah. now that he is in the business, he apologizes to me all the time because he understands how crazy it is. You yeah. know, even though we have this set schedule that we want to achieve every day, you always you have to be ready to turn on a dime and go a complete different direction and you yeah. have to be okay with that. And um now that he sees that. So I'm much more organized and structured and I have amazing people in my world that can help me stay organized and structured before it was me like herding cats. Pretty much. Yeah. Right? And um, travel by fire, right? Yes. That's, that's the same way. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And I would say, especially in regards to spouses not in the industry, um, I'm very lucky that I grew up with my dad and my stepmom being part of it. So what there was no confusion. Plus, she you, you late, got it. She works later than him most days. Anyways. Yeah. And it's not a nine to five. And in the podcast that should be before this one with um, Adam Scanlon, we spoke about relationships a lot because Adam went through the process of starting dating somebody while trying to start a business mm. to now the business is profitable and he's making money. But at the beginning, she had no idea what, why do you do this for how much you really make? <laughs> exactly. And when you look at the dollar per hour and relationship is sucking and he's yeah. no, been so, there, done that. And he's working 69 days, six days a week, and somehow still convinced the girl to marry him. Oh, wow. And, but the conversation was you just, you gotta have, you have to set those lines. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this. You will have to be okay with this. We are a team. And then as the relationship expanded, she started learning more about the business. He's explaining more things. And now, um, the other day, they were over, and I was, 
I think I was editing the podcast between me and him and his wife and my wife were sitting there we were eating pizza and she was asking questions about the business and Casey was they were talking about marketing ideas and you're like you know eventually our wives in theory at 24 and 26 27 I don't know how old Adam is youngsters yeah <laughs> but hopefully our wives are able to be I mean because if you don't have a good home life yeah you're trying to the support yeah yeah and, you know, talking about at the beginning when you're staying there until 10 o'clock at night, my dad's always said one thing, and that's first rule of business is stay in business. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Um, so, like I said before we even started, I said most, uh, most businesses or business, um, let's try to find the right way to say this. Um, no, yeah, most businesses in the Midwest are what I call stale, male, and pale. So, obviously, that makes plenty of sense. So, there's not a lot of minority owners, especially mm-hmm. in small business, especially in this town. Um, what would you say, as a female, and as a female business owner, um, do you feel like you had to overcome something since 2013? And if so, do you think you've reached it? And if not, what are you doing to help push more females to get into whether it's your industry or all industry but get into that top rung I think you know the future is female Um, it's not going to stay stale male and pale forever no you're exactly right and I think real estate is one of the businesses where women are are you know thriving and out producing a lot of men in the business Um, I think one thing in that industry that we have and not to say that males don't have this but you know coming from a listing perspective when I walk through a house my eye knows what needs to be done. And I'm not sure all men have that um, will in their wheelhouse. You know, like that color is not a good color or, you know, maybe we should replace the flooring or, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, and that, that can be learned. It yeah. really can. Um, but I think that is one thing probably, just one of the many things that I think drive us, um, the females in this business right now. And I think it's the relationships. You know, yeah. It's a very, very, very you know, heavy relationship business. You want to do business with someone that is nurturing and loving and you see that face and you can trust them. And I think females just, for the most part, come off more with those characteristics than the male. Absolutely. And again, not to say that, you know, there's many there are many men that are you know doing very well in the business um but i think for me personally that one knowing the business and two just having the relationship being that i'm a relationship person made it very easy to connect and to care and to show that i'm not just about the dollar sign and you know mandy will tell you who's my director of operations you know that I hate to say this, but I will, and I don't really want the whole world to know this, but, you know, um, I mean, I've worked for free many a times because of situations that it was in the best interest of the client, and I will do whatever I need to do to make it a win-win for that client, and that's not always about the commission, and I think people know me well enough Although I did, I didn't even post that on Facebook one day. Someone said they heard I was mean. mean. And I really, <laughs> I was like really bothered by that. They told my husband that. They said, I heard what your wife me? is really mean. That was me. That was me. Stop it. Um, and I was like crushed. I'm like, I don't think I'm mean. But I don't know. You do have to also, you can't just roll over for everyone too. So there is, 
you do have to have a little bit of a backbone and some strength in you. Which is hard um, because we try to please everybody. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you're not going to make Yeah, can't. <laughs> people who have all five-star reviews are lying mm-hmm. because there's one star buried in there somewhere. And, you know, I'm what I like to think, a, a likable person. I'm what, especially when I started, I would have done anything for anyone. And now you, you look at your own time different. I've right. got a daughter now. I've right. Got, but I'm still trying to focus on my clients, whatever's best for my clients. But there are people that will take advantage of you. Absolutely. And those are the ones that you weed out. You learn from that loss, yep. that lesson. You do. Um, you do. But doing good things for good people is why we're in a small community, is why we do it at the end of the day. You know, I've talked to Casey a hundred times about this. Is I said at the end of the day, this long-term vision is not about money. It's to me about creating an organization that impacts our community, impacts people in the sense that I, I long-term, do not want this to be a three-man operation where it's just me and my dad and my stepmom. <laughs> I want it to be an organization that creates careers, careers, Absolutely. not jobs, careers for the for. And I just want people to be like, performance group is in town. That's yeah. It. They, who do you work for? You know what I mean? What what industry are you in? Is what a lot of people say anymore. Nobody says who they work for. The old GM mentality, right? I work for mm-hmm. GM. Those are the people that got treated well. Now you have somebody that works somewhere and they go, well, I'm in this business. I'm right. In the insurance business. I'm in the tax business. Well, I'm in the mortgage business. Right. GBC is the only company that I can think of, the real estate pros, to where people are proud enough of where they work to say, I work here. Right. And that's a cool thing. That is. And, and that's not you a- look at, you know, the mortgage business, you look at all these different industries, and I mean, they're a dime a dozen, really. They mm-hmm. really are. What is it that makes you different? What is it that makes people want to work with you? What and showing that value and building that brand, I think is really well, one, it's just it's so important that you know, define who you are and tell your story. And if you're just a logo and here's my services, I'm probably not going to choose you. Yeah. You know, yes, Google reviews are super important. Um, and we encourage all of our clients to leave it, good or bad. And if it's, you know, my thing, again, going back to the brand and the reputation is if someone did not have an amazing experience, I want to know why. Yeah. What can we do different? What did we do wrong? And where, you know, we're going to learn from it and we're going to make it better the yeah. next time for someone else. And, you know, it's just it's so important. And who you are naturally will come through in your brand. And I think... Those that do not, how should I say it properly? You have two different identities. You have your business and who you really are. And those, I think, are the ones who are seen through and maybe, um, I just have to choose my words lightly here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, and, and, I, and I know what you mean completely is your business should be a representation of your true right. identity. And if it's not, then you're obviously in the wrong industry. You are. Um, So going back and taking one step back, do you feel like you have... Well, I'm trying to think, because I'm sticking kind of to that original question of as a female. As a female, okay. As a female that you are, right? So trying to create a better space for females in this town... 
do you feel like you're creating an atmosphere for more people to jump into industry? And if not, or if you are, what can, what can we all do better? Because as somebody who is young, male and pale, right? <laughs> I still want to pre- be able to, I know the future is female at the end of the day, relationships, those types of things. Mm-hmm. What can I, or what can these other community leaders be able to do to push more towards involvement? Overall, are we looking at just females? Do we... No, it could be minorities. I mean, like, Pendleton. It's Pendleton. Small town USA. Mayberry. Pretty I much. call it sometimes. Um, There's a lot of stuff moving our way, though. Oh. Three lanes up. Without a doubt. So I see Pendleton changing a lot. It's a town that's, um, I wouldn't say resistant to change, but all people are resistant to change. Mm-hmm, naturally. Um, so what, what, what are our options? What, how, do we, how do we better... Well, it's create? just like anything. You... Is it baby steps? It's baby steps, and it's a process. And if ch- change is coming, it's inevitable. Yeah. You know, I could in the real estate business... You know, 2013, the growth was already crazy. You know, the demand for housing, quote unquote, I want Pendleton, I want Pendleton, I want Pendleton, I want Pendleton. You know, you can embrace it or you can pretend it's never going to happen. And pretending it's never going to happen is you're just lying to yourself. You know, and as a business owner in this community, no matter what industry it is, not only, you know, do we do business here locally, but we do business in surrounding counties and such. And, um... I'm not going to resist the change or resist the growth. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to hope that it's done very planned. And mm-hmm. But again, sometimes you just go with it. Yeah, and, you know, and, and I think just from a business owner, how, how do you want your business to look in this arena? How do you want it to look in the Pendleton arena? How do you want it to look in the Madison County arena? How, what, where do you want to be? Where do you want to land, you know? And I think that all, depending on whatever your big picture is, is going to dial back to what do you do today, you know, to be, whether you want to be, you know, sell X amount of houses or X amount of insurance policies or have X amount of investment clients, you know, how am I going to get there? And do I want to, you obviously have to embrace your local community. You guys, you know, you're right on the main strip. You have a door. Anyone can walk in at any given time and asked to do business with you. Yep. So you have to be inviting. You have to be welcoming. You have to throw yourself out there. You have to tell your story, yeah. you know, and tell the world what I want and what I stand for. Whether, like I said, whether you're, and maybe it's just a mom and pop, you know, little restaurant that is not a franchise and they can only hold X amount and that's fine. And yeah. if that's fine for them and they're meeting all of their financial goals and their personal goals, and then great, embrace it. If you want to grow bigger, then build that roadmap, whether, yeah. whatever it looks like. Absolutely. And that actually kind of plays into the question number four. Oh. I these in bed last night. And it kind of plays into the idea that um, the hardest part in a great job market is hiring and attracting and keeping talent. Talent. Um, do you feel like... You, what are you doing different in order to attract talent? I would say that if I look at you from an outsider's perspective, is you create an environment that looks inviting enough to where I feel people reach out to you to ask to be a part of it versus a lot of people are begging people to work for them. 
I will definitely say over the years since the company was born, the majority of the agents and even my administrative staff have all gravitated towards me. I did not have to find people. Um, what you put out there, you're going to get back. And I've been very fortunate. We are on a path where we want to help more families, um, which means more people. And But it's finding the right people. I, You know, like you said, talent. I don't want someone who, quote, unquote, wants a job. I want someone who wants to make a difference. I want someone who wants to make a difference through real estate, you know, and that can make a difference in their own life. So I think Mandy just yesterday, I think we have 15 or 20 applicants. I've yet to talk to one of them, which means none of them are qualified. You know, we're not just going to hire to hire to have someone set in that empty chair. You know, they have to fit my culture. They have to fit my vision. And it's, you know, it's doing whatever it takes within reason and going the extra mile and answering your phone at 10 o'clock at night if you have to. And, you know, driving across the county to whatever it might be, you know. And, again, everyone thinks real estate is so stinking easy. I'm just going to have this great flexible schedule. My phone's going to ring nonstop, but I'm going to sell million-dollar listings. And in the meantime, I can, you know, go on 20 vacations. And no. Not right out of the gate. It takes yeah. a long time to work up to that. Yeah. And there's not a lot of people that are doing that massive. There no, they're not. So it's you know, honestly, we have a couple different ads running on different, you know, social media platforms. We don't throw a ton of money at it. Um I let the world know that I am looking to grow my team, yeah. but it has to be the right person with the right fit on my team. Yeah, absolutely. And um I want to say that the light Likelihood of, um, well, I'm trying to think of the way that this is, should be worded. The length of, I'm struggling. So, you need to read your notes. Attention to the people listening to this. I was up at 4:45 this morning with a screaming baby, and I'm still up, and it's 10:27, and I have the rest of the day to go. So, I just want to give you a warning. So, back to what I was trying to say. Um, the likelihood of surviving as a real estate agent is like 5%. I think that's right. Oh, it's, say. yeah. I, the national average through the uh, National Association of Realtors is they sell, I think, seven houses a year is the average. Oh, my goodness. Seven. Which Who can pay their, unless you're in a million-dollar market yeah. and you sell seven million-dollar houses, that's a little different than it is here locally. Yeah. If you sold seven houses here, you would never, I don't think you could pay your fees and yeah. your association dues um, off of seven houses a year. So, um, yeah, and it's, you know, we've seen since I've been in the industry, you know, teams are dominating the market now. And it's because I think we figured it out that one-man shows can't compete, you know, with a full you know, massive equipped team with specialists in each area. Yeah. You know, the experience is is completely different. And, you know, I, I the one thing I hear as a complaint is I can't get a hold of my agent or they don't call me back. Well that's because your agent is probably trying to go on list appointments, show houses, talk to a mortgage company, talk to the title company, order inspections, talk to contractors. They're wearing all these hats that they can't it's hard for them to even make that return phone call. So the service just drops off significantly. A lot of small businesses get stuck there because that when to hire, how to hire, 
how am I going to pay myself if I hire? Because at right. the end of the day, as soon as you hire an employee, yeah. they get paid before you do. Yeah, absolutely. So it's an investment in a human. It's mm-hmm. not, I mean, like you are investing a long-term capabilities of that person to become something that will aid you because you're going to spend a lot of money yeah. on training. You're going to spend a lot of money on yeah. training. And it is hard to make that first hire. But I think... Once you make the first one, and this is as somebody that still hasn't made it, <laughs> but in theory, if you find somebody to specialize in taking off the things you don't like to do, absolutely, or and let you do really what you're good at, I'm not a people manager. I'm I'm in front of people. I'm not a good client service, or I'm not. That's not who I am. If I find somebody who's really good at that. They can train the next person to take their spot as they grow into a new role. That's exactly how you should do it. Your team just explodes. Yeah. You scale your business. Yeah. And that's where small businesses are stuck. Is we're stuck with that first hire. Or you do hire that first person. But I think, you know, I hear this because I'm with the you know, Keller Williams, the world's largest real estate company, and they are so ahead of the eight ball when it comes to industry trends and technology and and the one thing they'll say about us here in the midwest is we're always afraid to take risk yes we're not risk takers and you know we we get stuck in our comfort Mm -hmm. you know well like you said if i hire this person then i'm only going to make x and you know but you have to look at it as you know one of the first things on my very first hire was write down everything you don't like to do or you're not good at and you find someone who loves to do these things who excels at these things and that is their job description well then guess what you can continue to do the things you love and you're good at which is then going to bring you more business so you know it's a win-win and you 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 have to you can't be that one-man show and and be amazing at it. You can't wear every hat and be amazing at it. I would say people would disagree. Do you know why? It's because people have this thing. It's called um, it's called an ego. You might have heard. <laughs> I of knew it. you were gonna say that. So people have an ego. Well, you're not gonna be able to do that as good as me, even though I don't like to do it. And that is going to stifle your growth if you will not let go and you think you're the best at it then you might as well just not just stay stuck where you are you know and one of my real estate coaches told me because i was kind of in that mindset in the beginning because i had i had done all those jobs i created all the systems and processes and everything that my business is built on is because i did it 16 years ago and it was very hard for me in the beginning to let go, not because I didn't trust that person, but it was in, embedded in my brain that that's what I did. Yeah. It was like robotic. And I had to stop myself. And I told Mandy, I said, when I'm out of my lane doing something that's someone else's job, slap me on the hand, mm-hmm. smack me, whatever it takes, because I'm taking away something they get joy out of. Yeah. And I'm bringing something to my world that I just think I have to do it or I can do it better mm-hmm. when that's not the case. So it mentally... It took me a minute to let go of some of that stuff just because I thought I could do it better. But yeah. there's people that love to do that stuff. Which is insane. Yeah. As somebody whose brain's not wired in that direction, I do not know how people... As somebody who works for a tax accounting <laughs> firm, um, slash insurance firm, slash you know, everything else we do with financial services, you go, huh. Our mindset is very routine, numbers, rules, 
right? That's what I grew up with. Very much so. I've been put in a position three years ago to take over this insurance agency, which was a one-man shop for 47 years. I was told I got my week of training before I took over (laughs) an entire book of business. Nice. Um, Trial by fire. Yeah. And three years later, we are where we are today. And I go, how cool. I hated it. I hated my dad. I didn't want to do it anymore. It just wasn't fun. But I was doing the things and learning and losing. I lost two huge clients my first two months. I, in, but like all these moments now, I look at it and I go, well, that was nice. I, I, you win the business back or you get business yeah, to replace it. It'll replace it. it. And you learned what you're good at and how to talk to clients and how to what you're doing. And I think it's so cool and it's, it's just interesting at 24 years old to have that experience. And I have friends that are just now graduating. Right. Just getting ready to get into the job market. Yes. And I'm, I'm like, hey. Buckle up, strap on your bootstraps, and go to work. Because you're going to start here, but you have so much more room for growth. You're going to punch the nose. People are going to yell at you. Mm-hmm. Don't like, fall down. And I don't want to blame my generation, but you get yelled at. That's what it is. You Part mess of up. It. You definitely will mess up. Oh, yeah. I was, that's okay. I coach wrestling at LaPel High School, and, and this is nothing against my kids specifically. This is just kids in general. It is such a revealing sport. It is the only sport... Other than like swimming, that's very individualized. Yeah. To where your kid wins or your kid loses. That kid's better than you or you're better than yeah. you. Yeah. And I'm master strengths. You, you're, you're in charge of your own Destiny. success. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, my kids have always had an excuse. If you're on the football field, there's 10 other people to blame. Absolutely. Basketball, same thing. So, when they lose, they're embarrassed. With themselves. They lost, but they can still always find something that's not them. I didn't lose because of me. I lost because of the referee. I lost because you put me on bottom, coach. Mm-hmm. You don't want to put you on bottom so you'd be better. So you can learn to stand up, literally, and, and figuratively. Yeah. Learn to stand up Absolutely. Life, like, that's what it is. So it's, it's interesting to all these lessons these old men in my life, one man, my Kirby has said my entire life that finally come true. I'm saying that to my equal-edged peers, and I go, what a, <laughs> what a mess. What an absolute... You're just, you're just that much ahead of... And I couldn't thank him enough yeah. for the terrible position mm-hmm. you put me in three years ago. Yeah. For cussing out every night before I went to bed. <laughs> really? Yeah, in my head. <laughs> Your head. In my head. Okay. I don't think I, I really sold insurance. Sold. Like, I wasn't actively trying. I had a job. I didn't sell insurance until the day I bought Casey's wedding ring. Because I bought it on payments. <laughs> and you're like, and dang, I, I got to make this payment I now. I couldn't afford it. My dad said, <laughs> my, my dad said when he was running the insurance oh company, um, that the, well, he was an RD back then, so he was original director. They go out to the new sales rep. As soon as he signs on. Walking to the Cadillac dealership, buying a brand new car. Talk about some motivation. Make a payment. Oh, man. You got a payment to make, sir. But I hired a commissionally younger person that I fired in two months because I set no expectations. Um, slow to hire, quick to fire. Right? Absolutely. So slow hire. It was my ego. I tell you he can do this. Trust me. 
I wanted to be a mentor. Why would I be a mentor? I'm still a mentee. So I wanted to be in that position. So I'm like, yes, this is going to be good. Called him. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing this. I said, you need a side gig just so you can, because we're not going to, it's commission only. You need to have income. Lived on his own at the time. And you go, look back. And I go, I should have gone out and bought him a new truck. He already had the new truck. He already had the And still wasn't in a position to know that it was time to go to work. So I think that's taught me a lot. And now that we have a baby, you were talking about another freaking motivator. Absolutely. Yes, Ruby Cash. You really advanced. Yeah, really advanced. <laughs> we're very lucky. She's eating foods. Um, what did we eat last night? She had some turkey. Not like, it was ground turkey. It wasn't like one of those. It wasn't like a it wasn't, turkey leg. Yeah, it wasn't a, no, uh, no choking hazards. We watch videos to make sure that we're doing it the right way. Yeah. Videos. Absolutely. So if I'm looking at my list, oh, you have a background in marketing according to your LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So if you and I have I love this, marketing. Yes, you and I have had this uh, discussion <clears throat> in the past. The discussion is that you're a marketer at, ha- at heart. And I like marketing a lot. Mm-hmm. And I've learned a lot of marketing. Marketer at heart. And the thing in marketing just happens to be real estate. You could have done this yeah. in any position. You could have done. You you have a passion with real estate. You have a passion for people. Real estate is just your outlet. Absolutely, my platform. Um, what would you say? Explain your love for marketing and how it impacts your business. I think. I mean, I've always. I think there's the creative side to marketing, which. I feel like I. I think outside the box, you know, how am I going to be different? How am I going to show up different? How am I going to grab the attention? How am I going to, so it challenges me and I'm constantly, my husband said to me the other day, he's like, man, I wish my mind worked like yours because I will see something and get an idea or I will hear something or, you know, rip off, duplicate and, you know, someone else's. Yeah. Um, but I'm just wired that way. And it was it was so easy to take that talent, apply it to the real estate business and explode. Because I was doing things that no one else was doing. I was not really that no one else was doing. I was just telling people about it. Yeah. Where I think some agents or, you know, companies get in their natural routine and they don't they just you know, they're they're the ones that are gonna be left behind. That's the way we've always done it. Um, yeah. The six A words of any businesses. That's the way we've always done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, and you can't you have and, and especially in this as fast as real estate is evolving and changing. I mean, and here we are, and we're in the Midwest. We're behind a lot of trends that are taking place on the East Coast and West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, instant i buyers and instant offers and offer pad, and I could go on and on about these different technologies. You know. Fortunately, most people still trust the real estate agent here and yeah. they want you on your, you know, they want you on their side and to protect them and guide them through this process, which is buying or selling your biggest financial asset. Yeah. Um, but it was just easy. And I can't, that's all I can really say is just. We all have things we gravitate towards, yeah. right? It's like the person that likes to do paperwork. Not me. Yeah. I like to be. Bold. I like to throw myself out there. I like to tell my story. I like to tell our wins. I like to tell our successes. I like to use, that's a, that's a not very good word, but 
our clients are our best advertisers. Yeah. Yeah. Why can't I say that word? Um, So when I put their face and their words behind my brand and their experience, that is huge. And not a lot of people were using testimonials or photographs or their clients. And, you know, in my conference room, there's a screen that rolls through photos after photo after photo after photo after photo of clients, you know, showing their happy day of closing table. And I can sit there and watch everyone else in the room who are not necessarily from my team or whatever and go, oh, I know them. Oh, I didn't know they bought a house with them. Oh, they're such and such. That gives me instant credibility. Absolutely. You know, and especially in a small community, it makes it, it can be really good or it can be really bad. Thank yeah. goodness, I think I have a really good brand. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and those people will tell their stories. And, you know, you may be scrolling through that Facebook feed and not even in the business or, you know, in the market to buy or sell, but you just saw your neighbor two doors down had trusted us. Well, when the time comes, I'm still going to be in your face, whether you know it or not, subliminally. Yeah. Um, and they might call a neighbor down the road and go, hey, you know, how was that experience? And funny story, just last week, um, I had been referred to this, I'll call them a lead at this point, because I had not really made contact with them. Yeah. But the first time I was referred to them was about five years ago. Made some attempts to reach them, phone calls, letters, nothing. Yeah. No big deal. Um, they probably just weren't ready. Mm-hmm. The person popped up again and someone else had referred me to this person. Hey, talk to Mr. Such and such. He's going to be okay. Another round of attempts, nothing. New Year's Eve, I get a phone call. I'm at my office working and it's one of my cl- past clients. I hate to use the word past because I like to think of them as clients for yeah, life. Yeah. So one of my clients who I had sold a house for about three years ago says, Hey, I said, Hey, Kenny, what's going on? He goes, Hey, I'm here at McDonald's. And um, what's your phone number? And he just called me on my phone, which was kind of funny. But I said, okay. He goes, this guy really, you know, he needs to sell his house. He's over there in Pendleton. Um, I'm going to give him your phone number. I said, okay, here's my cell phone. He said, he said he left a message for you about a week ago. And I said, oh, my personal cell phone? And he's like, well, I don't know. And there was a, he's older and there was some confusion going on. So come to find out, he repeats the gentleman's name. And I said, well, I've been trying to get his business for four or five years. And he laughed. It wasn't 30 minutes later, this guy comes in my, walks in my front door, and he didn't remember me making those attempts to reach him years ago, which is fine. And he goes, I've been looking for you for two weeks. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, Kenny told me two weeks ago when I ran into him at McDonald's that I had to use you. You sold us house in two days. I'm like, oh, I love Kenny. I've sold houses to his whole entire family. Literally, I think I've sold seven houses to that family. Oh, wow. And I said, well... I'm right here, you know, Here, here's my big building right here on 67. He said, well, I thought you were with this other company. So he'd been driving around town trying to find me for two weeks. Yeah. So it was just so crazy that that little, and I said, well, how do you know Kenny? He goes, well, I just met him at McDonald's last week oh, or no. two weeks ago. <laughs> and Kenny happened to run into him again two weeks later when he said, hey, Heather, what's your number? I told this guy about you two weeks ago. So, how crazy. McDonald's, two weeks ago, by him hearing Kenny say she sold my house in two days, even though I've tried to cold call him for five years, he didn't respond. Yeah. But now all of a sudden, I'm the greatest thing ever. Absolutely. So, 
I love my people. Absolutely. My dad, my dad calls it Tana. He calls it the threat of discontent, right? So it's, it's that one moment that you're going to, you just have to be there when they're ready for that because not, this is not a buyer centric thing, but it is, it's, mm-hmm. it's consumers in general, unless they need something, they're not going to reach out to yeah. you. And you and, have to be there when the time is right. And marketers have made it, have made marketing. This is a general thing. Marketers have made marketing annoying. Yeah. Right? If you look at my personal inbox, messages you get every single day. I have 15 or 16,000 emails. I just don't go through my spam box or anything like that. I just leave it the way it is. But I have so many. And so, like, email's dead. Direct mail's kind of back. And you're kind of going, Facebook's interesting, but now everybody's a Facebook guru. I would say the interesting, interesting thing about marketing is people who are good at marketing sell a product. People who are bad at marketing sell marketing. <laughs> so True. they sell marketing services to people that I wouldn't say are naive, but they're naive. Um, and they just assume that, well, if you can buy me Facebook leads or whatever that is. I mean, that's why I'm looking to get into this interior sales position mm-hmm. because realistically, if we create inbound leads, I'm not paying for cold leads. Exactly. Cold internet leads. Right. That anyone can click on. Yep. Competition can click on it. You it's should cra- charge. Absolutely. It's crazy. And that's, yeah. But that's the way that the real people that are making money are, are the real people that are marketing to marketers. Yeah. And that's the scary thing. So I think I think it's done the right way. And I'm, it's just amazing to see it's, people come around at the most interesting times. Six months later, five yeah. years later. Yeah. From a you don't know. Home call. You don't know. It's, it's. I've got I've got business in the most craziest ways from situations or word of mouth or just some guy drunk at a bar somewhere in Greenfield had told this couple sitting next to him. He was an insurance, sorry. Um, and Good. they had were having just like some surface level conversation and they were visiting and were looking to buy a house and he pulled up my face, the drunk insurance guy. On my Facebook and was like, you need to call this girl. There you go. I have no idea who that person was to this day. Really? Yeah, and they didn't know his name either. I mean, just because my presence on social media was so strong yeah. that they're like, you, he was like, you need to call her. And it was just, it worked. Word of mouth, that brand. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So I would say the one thing that I do want to talk about before I get to the final question is why not, as a, a Industry that's very based off last names right. and single people, right? right? Most people go off of this is my agency. Right. And that, you could say that anywhere in the state. Um, why the real estate pros and not the Heather Upton, Keller Williams? Two, th- three of the teams or powerhouse agents that I had spent years working for. I realized one of the major, uh, I don't know how I want to say it, um, the agents didn't like, it was hard for them to grow because they didn't want to be on the, you know, Jane Doe team. Yeah. Because, and do I still, you know, pay all the bills and run the business? I do, Mm -hmm. Um, just as Jane Doe did or does. It was easier to grow, and it's easier to potentially 
sell if I should ever choose to sell my business? Yeah, long term. I mean, yeah. there, there's always an out. I think the thing, especially in small towns, and especially somebody who's kind of developed a perpetuation plan already, right? Um, but people don't think about the way out. Mm-hmm. For the most part, if you look well, at most people in small businesses end up dying in their small business, you know, because the one they're afraid to grow, they're not risk takers, and they just assume I will never retire. This is my, this is it forever. Yeah. Now, do I see myself selling my business off and doing something else? No, I will always. I think because it is part of who I am, and I love the industry. Mm-hmm. I may take a different role. You know, I don't sell nearly as, you know, I'm not out there in the trenches like I used to be in 2013. I have amazing agents that do that for me. However, I am still growing the business. I am still doing lead generations. I am still, quote unquote, the face of the business. But I could could phase myself out if I wanted to. It would be a lot easier than if I were Jane Doe Realty. Well, where's Jane Doe? Now, do... My past clients from the last six years, seven years, you know, we have 1,300 transactions that we've closed. Will I get some of those people from early on that, you know, they don't know me as a real estate pro, they just know how they're up to. Yeah. yeah, I'm still going to get those. But, you know, the new influx of, of business that we've got in the last couple of years, which is the coolest thing when I see names on transactions and stuff and my team service them. Yeah. You know, it's like, Wow. That's a really cool growth moment. Absolutely. You don't go to McDonald's and ask for I'm not going to ask. Exactly. And I would say the biggest thing about where we're at today in just our business, and if you think about it, every place is this way. The reason people don't grow is because their clients are onboarded that they do everything. Yeah, that they're the only. I'm the only person that can help you. Nobody can help you as good as me. And that goes back to ego. And especially if your name's on the side of the building, why wouldn't you have an ego? It's my reputation to protect. That's my last name. Mm-hmm. That's my perpetuation. My kids right. are supposed to take this. Right. But if your kids don't take it and that sort of stuff, why not sell out? My kids have zero interest in real estate. <laughs> at the end of the day, this is the biggest investment you make in your life. If you have an IRA or you have anything like that, this is still bigger than all that because your time, your energy, most of your money goes yes. all into this yes. in hopes that someday it's big enough, for, mm-hmm. whether it's a resale value or, or just to where you can retire comfortably off of passive income. Absolutely. And I don't think enough people think that way. They don't think ahead. that way. And it's scary. It's scary to grow. It's scary if you... My thing is I want to do so many... I want to do... There's so much more I want to do with my life. Yeah. You know, do I love real estate? Yes. But there's so many other things I want to do and in a good, could it be different, you know, opportunities for income? Absolutely. Maybe not. Maybe I just want to be a volunteer and do something I'm passionate about, but I have the real estate business to fund that life. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it it helps to be surrounded by people all chasing a common goal, common dream that aren't, when your name's on the side of the business, you work for somebody, you don't work with them. Right. And I don't want to pigeonhole those types of things. But it's hard. It's really hard. And to rebrand or to try to do something to get you out of that. My biggest fear when we, when I was looking into the rebrand for the performance group was it to be, hey, you got to go work with Mike Kirby. As important as Mike Kirby is and as important as Sean Kirby is and as important as Lisa Kirby is, 
I want the name, the brand, that thing to become so apparent and so ingrained in people's mind that anyone at this organization has gone through the gauntlet of a hiring practice that they trust back to Mike Kirby, Sean Kirby and Lisa Kirby, have hired the best of the best that will take care of you in those certain aspects. But that goes for everybody. I mean, I think there's real opportunity for scalability, long-term, whether you want to sell out, whether you want to go chase a dream and be an actor, because that's me. I'm just ready. You're going to be an actor? No. I have a buddy (laughs) that went all the way through, um, I was engineering school, got offered a heck of a job in Chicago, accepted the position, denied it for a better position, going to make great money in Chicago, and then decided to move to L.A. three months before he was supposed to move there to become an actor. Get out. So his name is Jeremy Burley. He is from uh, Bloomington, Minnesota. He currently lives, so he's been there three months, maybe a little bit longer than that since September. So he moved there, and he officially, officially makes a living being an actor. So he's paid. He has a gig. He gets paid enough to pay for it. Oh, my gosh. That's making a living. He doesn't have any other job. He changed his LinkedIn status. And I'm just going to tell the story because he'll never listen to this. And I went with Jeremy. I visited Jeremy. Jeremy was doing a semester abroad in Spain. Jeremy's my, like, He's such just everything. Like, he's just this perfect little Minnesota boy. He's just that guy that can just... Yeah. I was speaking fluent Spanish when I got to Spain to go see him. And one night he got really... Drinking age 18 there. Yeah. So we were legal. And one night he goes... I said something about the future because I had started this stuff with Dad. And I said, what do you want to do? And he goes, I don't know. (laughs) Then he goes, I want to be an actor. And I said, what? He's never mentioned it before that. (laughs) But one drunken night in Spain goes, I want to be an actor. And this would have been four years ago. So that thing had obviously been there for him. That passion, that dream. Yeah. He followed everybody telling him, you need to be what an engineer. What he need, right. He did it. He got this cush job making huge money in Chicago. But that wasn't his passion. And he stepped away to follow a dream while he's young, dumb, and had Why no not? responsibilities yeah. and went and chased it and he did what he's passionate about and in three months because he works every single day he quit drinking he quit doing party he put all his time and energy all that time that it took him to have a 4.0 in engineering school and put it into this this dream and in three months you have people over there for years getting part time work just to survive right being waiters he had gotten a job as a bartender never started he sounds like he's really good at that, securing jobs and never starting. <laughs> I don't know, but he's getting paid just enough to survive out there. Hey, if he's happy, so be it. Yes. So I know that was a tangent, but what I'm saying is like there, there's room for passion in what every single person in this industry or industries and this community does. And passion is cool. And passion should be applauded. And passion should be pushed by other passionate people. Um, so I think that... The point of this is that we need to band together, be part of um, my performance group podcast, which is literally just to put people on a pedestal and provide. I'm trying to think about the keywords. Did you hear how many keywords that was in a row? People pedestal provide. Why is performance group podcast putting people on a pedestal, pedestal to, to provide, provide 
Oh, I'm done. I got nothing after that. But purpose. Purpose. Oh, there nice. you go. Yes, but to provide opportunities for these people to show their passion. Mm-hmm. I love Passions. it. Passion. So, but to show that, that we're passionate about what we do, we're willing to work hard for our clients. We're passionate about our community and bettering our community and becoming ingrained, not only part of, but ingrained within the, the aspects of the community. I think that's really cool. I, think it's tight. I love it. I think it's tight. I love it. Okay, so my last question, kind of coming off of that heck of a those little, peas, those that pea rant of mine. <laughs> um, so, so this is kind of a. There are two very different questions at the end, so I'll let you pick. I'm gonna turn. Oh, you're gonna turn around, around so I can read. So you can read. Of course, so I bring six, my glasses. Six All right. Or seven. So six, or six seven. is question. Okay, question number six. If you could go back in time and give yourself a trick of the trade, what would it be? That's number six. Or number seven, what do you want people to know about you? What misconceptions do you think there are regarding you? Well, I'm not mean. She, well, she kind of made fun of my PPP rant, so. Okay, well, that was just in good. Um, yeah, I will go. I will go with number seven. So what do you, what do you want people to know about you? What misconceptions do you think there are regarding you? I guess probably... If you don't know me, um, in I, if I'm speaking to the world right now and said, what is the one thing I would want people to know? I would say I would want them to know that um, that I am passionate yes. about their purpose. And that sounds cheesy, but at the end of the day, when you look at real estate and you look at why am I in real estate, I'm in real estate to make a difference. There's a reason you're buying or selling your home, mm-hmm. Okay. Sometimes it's not always good reasons, and sometimes it is. But whatever the reason is, when you hire me, my goal is to protect you, your financial interest, make the, the transaction just as painless and smooth as can be because I want everyone to walk away, whether it, it we're buying or selling for good reasons or not so happy reasons, but I want this to be as memorable as it can be for a real estate transaction, and then I want you to be my client for life. Absolutely. And it's not, to me, always... When I go to bed at night and put my head on the pillow, I'm not running commissions through my head. How much did I make today? I'm thinking back about usually that person. How did it go? Um, What could I have done different? How can I grow? How can I be a better person? How can I be a better agent? So I'm constantly raising the bar to provide a better service and a better, um, what am I looking for? Client experience. Client experience. I just want everything that, I'm all about service and I'm all about making it the best possible. And at the end of the day, when we go to the closing table, there are no regrets and that everyone can walk away and it can be a win.